where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And a rival used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked him. From the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning asking for your help. As we consider these words, this story of your intervention into the life of Hannah and the life of your people, we ask that you would intervene on our lives. We ask that your grace would intrude this morning. That you would give us your favor so that we could understand your word and more be changed by it. That will not happen by the eloquence of my words. That will happen only by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask for his work. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas is about productivity. 
Now, if you're like me, you just fell asleep. Productivity is the last thing I want to talk about this morning, and it's the last thing I want to talk about at Christmas time. But Christmas is about productivity. Others of you are different from me, and you woke up when I said that word, and maybe your life is color-coded to the point that you can squeeze out of every moment the maximum efficiency. But regardless of how you respond to that word productivity, understand that when I say Christmas is about productivity, I'm not talking about your to-do list. I'm talking about the productivity we find at the beginning of the Bible. The story of creation. God makes Adam and Eve, and he says to them, be fruitful, multiply, be productive. And, And understand that when God says that to them, he says it to us, and when he says that, it means more than just the process of human reproduction. It involves the whole scope of what it means to be made in the image of God. God created this world, and then he placed us, he placed human beings in his creation to be his images, to be his representatives, to be the ones who would produce what he wanted from his creation. To be fruitful, to produce the fruit of the kind of life that God designed us and this world for. But sin messed with our productivity. Sin harmed our ability to be fruitful. When Adam and Eve rejected God and His will, they brought into this world barrenness instead of fruitfulness. And so we struggle. We struggle to bring into existence the kind of life that God wants for us. The kind of life that God wants for the people around us. We struggle to be fruitful because of the impact of sin on God's creation. And that barrenness is the reason that Jesus was born. Barrenness, the barrenness of God's creation, is the context of Advent. And we'll get there, but before that, we need to see that barrenness is also the context of the birth of Samuel. Right? What we have here in 1 Samuel 1 is the story of God moving people from barrenness to fruitfulness. And not only Hannah. Because if you continue reading the story of this book, you find that God's intervention into the life of Hannah, moving her from barrenness to fruitfulness, is the first move of Him working in His people, the nation of Israel, to restore them to the fruitfulness to the productivity that he wants from them. And so I want us to consider this story and ask, how can we join this movement 
from barrenness to fruitfulness. How can we become a part of the story of the restoration of true, deep human productivity? And we'll find here two elements. We'll find the method of fruitfulness and the source of fruitfulness. So first of all, the method. If we're going to understand how Hannah responds to her situation, we need to become more aware of her situation. And we need to understand that this story is about more than a woman struggling with infertility. It is that, and that is sad, and that is difficult, but there is more happening in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah's name means favored one. It means one who is graced, favored by God. And remember that Hannah belonged to a favored people. God had said to Hannah's ancestor Abraham, you and your family belong to me. You are mine. And because of that, you are going to multiply. You are going to be fruitful in the way that Adam and Eve should have been fruitful. I am going to restore through you, Abraham, Abraham's descendant Hannah, I'm going to restore through your community the fruitfulness of the human race. (laughs) So understand that Hannah lived with a tension. It was not only the sadness of infertility, but it was the tension between her name and her situation. She lived in the conflict between God's promises to her and her people and the apparent absence of the fulfillment of those promises. And what does she do with that tension? Well, she grieves. Verses 7 and 10. Hannah weeps as she is provoked by her rival. She weeps and refuses to eat. Verse 10, she weeps bitterly. She is deeply distressed. She is profoundly grieved at the tension between her name and her situation. Between the promises of God and the apparent absence of their fulfillment. But that's not all she does. She does not contain her grief and deal with it internally, does she? She translates her grief into language. She translates her grief into speech. She talks her grief to God. She takes her grief and turns it into prayer, and so fervently does she pray that Eli thinks she's drunk. And, he, and she corrects him in verse 15. And she says, no, 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 that's not what's happening here. I haven't poured something in. I am pouring something out. I am pouring out my weakness. I am pouring out my deep need and sadness before God. And what we see as Hannah takes her grief and turns it into prayer is that the method of fruitfulness is dependence. The method of fruitfulness is dependence. I was talking to my kids recently 
about the building project that we're, that we're doing here at Centerpoint. You can see some of the evidence of that happening even this week. And we were talking about the changes that are going to need to be made to this building that we have purchased, the renovations that need to be made. And my daughter Georgia asked me, well, who's going to do that work? And J.J. quickly responded, well, the people of the church will, because we, had a, we have a lot of handicapped people at Centerpoint. <laughs> He's heard Jess and I talk about how great it is that we have a lot of handy people at Centerpoint, and he mistook handy for handicapped. If we are going to be a fruitful congregation, if we're going to see the transformation that we want in our lives and the lives of the people around us, we will have to own JJ's mistaken word choice. We will have to own the truth that, yes, there are a lot of handicapped people at Centerpoint Church. In fact, we are all handicapped. Unable to bring into being the kind of life that God wants for us and for our world. We are a people of deep and profound weakness and need. handicapped. And the question is, what will we do with that? Will we attempt to manage it with our resources? Or will we hand it over? Will we know the depth of our barrenness and pour it out in dependence to God? The method of fruitfulness is dependence. And the indication of dependence in our lives, the practical indication of dependence in our lives, is the role of prayer. The role that prayer plays in our day-to-day existence communicates where we are. It communicates how dependent we are. And when we live and plan and worry silent towards God, we say, I've got this. I can produce on my own. Will you let Hannah teach you something else? Will you learn from her and her sadness, her desperation, your own desperation, your own barrenness, and will you learn from her the movement of taking that need and turning it into prayer, of knowing your barrenness and pouring it out in dependence on God? Now, why would we do that? Why would we embrace a method that emphasizes our weakness? Well, we embrace the method because of the source. We embrace the method of fruitfulness because of, secondly, the source of fruitfulness. Notice in this passage that we are often, I think we're drawn here to how Hannah prays. 
So we see her emotion, and we see this strange vow that she makes, and we're going to come to that vow next week. But we see how she prays, and we, that's where our attention goes. But if we are going to understand this story, if we're going to get this story, we need to pay attention not only to how Hannah prays, but where she prays. You notice there's a lot of traveling in 1 Samuel chapter 1, a lot of going to and from Shiloh. And Shiloh at this moment in the history of God's people was the place, was the location of the tabernacle. And remember that the tabernacle in the Old Testament was the evidence of God's presence with his people. God had said to Hannah's ancestor Abraham and to Hannah's ancestor Moses, I will be with you. I will be present with your people. And the way that you will know that I am present with you is you will see it, you will hear it at the tabernacle and eventually the temple in Jerusalem. So, as Hannah travels to Shiloh. As she travels to the tabernacle with her barrenness, she is saying, life is found here. This is the source of fruitfulness. God present with His people. This is how we will be restored to human productivity, is to be in the life giving presence of God. Now we see Hannah's behavior, and because most of us have read the Bible and are somewhat familiar with the practices of the Old Testament, um, this, this seems normal to us. But understand that what Hannah does here is drastically abnormal. Israel was surrounded by neighbors who dealt with their barrenness by going to fertility gods. So some of the popular ones were Baal. So if you wanted the fertility of the field, if you wanted your crops to grow, you go to Baal. And then another popular one was Baal's girlfriend, Asherah. And if you wanted fertility of the womb, you go to Asherah. And the way that you go to these gods is you travel up into the hills, what the Old Testament calls the high places. And up in the hills are are altars and shrines where you would perform rituals to try to get what you want from these fertility gods. And increasingly, if you pay attention to books like the book of of Judges, God's people began to join their neighbors in their travels. They began to journey into the hills, up to the altars, and the shrines, and seek life, fruitfulness, from Baal and Asherah and other false gods. And so Hannah, in her actions here, demonstrates a faithful protest to the dominant culture around us, around her. She says, as she travels to the tabernacle in Shiloh, with her barrenness, she says, no, 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 life is not found there. It is found here. The promise of you will multiply, you will be fruitful, flows from the promise 
I will be with you, demonstrated by God's presence with his people at the tabernacle in Shiloh. But we don't have a Shiloh, do we? I mean, the old green derby does not have some sort of unique connection to God in his presence. So where is our source? Where is our source of life, our source of fruitfulness? Well, there's another woman who was called favored. Remember Hannah's name means the favored one? In Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, an angel from God shows up to a young woman named Mary. And he says, yes, your name is Mary, but you are favored. Blessed are you because you are favored by God. Why are you favored? Because you will have a son. And his name will be Jesus. And Mary says, whoa, wait a second. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a virgin. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and the angel says to her, the Spirit of God. And understand the Spirit of God, this is the presence of God. The presence that dwelt with His people at Shiloh and Jerusalem, at the tabernacle and the temple. This is the presence of God. The Spirit of God, Mary, will overwhelm you. And will enable you to be fruitful. And you will bear a son. <laughs> And he is the Son of God, whose name is Jesus, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the source of our fruitfulness. Jesus is the way that we are restored to our true humanity, to true and deep human productivity, the life that God intends for us happens through the person and the work of Jesus because He is God with us. He is the tabernacle at Shiloh to which we travel with our barrenness, with our brokenness, with our weakness, with our loneliness, with our sin. He is the source of fruitfulness. He is the restoration of what God intends for us. And the Apostle Paul teaches us, not only does the presence of God dwell in Him, but if, in, if we are in Him by faith, he gives us that very same Spirit. The Spirit that dwelt in Shiloh. The Spirit that overcame Mary. Jesus pours out on us that Spirit. And what does He do? Galatians chapter 6. He produces fruit. He begins the work of restoring us. So where do you go looking for life? Where do you go looking for that kind of flourishing? It usually takes about 8 to 10 minutes to get from my house to Ruby Diamond Auditorium. And last night, my wife and I went to Ruby Diamond Auditorium and it took us a frustrating 45 minutes. Because I hadn't planned an alternate route. 
And I wasn't paying attention to the fact that there were other major events happening in Tallahassee <laughs> last night that meant that Tennessee Street and Monroe Street were closed, and it seemed as if every road we took needed to cross Tennessee or Monroe Street at some point where, at which they were closed. And so we went down road after road after road, and we came to barrier after barrier after barrier after barrier. It's what it's like to try to find life apart from Jesus. To seek flourishing, fruitfulness apart from Jesus. We travel down the road of career, status, family, other relationships, Florida State football, Georgia football, Auburn football, entertainment, shopping, pleasure. We go down all these roads looking for life, and we come to barrier after barrier after barrier. Why? Because life is not found in those fertility gods. Life is found in Emmanuel. God with us. Christmas is about productivity. It is about productivity because Jesus was born... And not only was He born, but He lived and He died and He rose from the dead and He rules from heaven to restore us to the life that God intends for us. And understand that that doesn't happen immediately. That doesn't happen all at once. That is the direction that He is taking us. We have not reached the destination yet. But it is a sure and a certain destination if we are in Him. Jesus is restoring us to true and deep productivity. Life as God intended it for us and for our world. So will you come to Him? Will you come and pour out your desperation? Will you pour out the depth of your need to Him? And will you do that Because He has poured out His life for you. Let's pray.